It's episode 41 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another edition of Keto for Women. Thanks, as always, for joining me. Hope you're doing well. I am here and I'm back. I know that I have been actually putting out episodes every week, but I haven't actually recorded an episode in, gosh, I think about three weeks now. So it feels a little weird. I've had some time off from being in front of the mic, which is very unlike me, but it's because I've been traveling and meeting a bunch of Keto for Women listeners and fat-burning femalers and doing some conference talks and all that good stuff, which is what we are going to talk about today. I'm going to give you the recap of everything I have been doing over the past few weeks, my travels, the talks I have listened to, what I've learned and just all that good stuff. So all of you that couldn't attend can pretend like you were actually there. And so I'll do my best to make it as realistic as possible so you feel like you were actually there with us. And maybe I can actually convince you to go to the next one because you will love it. But before I do that, let me just give a little quick update. Really, I don't have the whole lot to share with you all as far as updates and business type items, except that as of episode number 40, so last week's episode, we have hit 1 million downloads of the Keto for Women show, which is, I don't know, for those of you that do or don't know anything about the podcasting world, that is a crazy awesome thing to have had happen to your podcast. And I am absolutely thrilled. I'm shocked. I'm so grateful. And I just want to keep it rolling. Of course, let's get to 2 million. As a couple of you have said, replied back to my Instagram when I posted that. Yeah, let's do it. But I do want to take just a minute and thank you all so much because obviously of you actually listening to the show week in and week out and downloading. And you know, sometimes I know quite a few of you actually listen twice. You've gone back and listened to these now 40 episodes two times, maybe even three times because you get something different out of each episode. So I love hearing that. I also know there are so many of you and it is just fascinating and amazing to see that share these episodes with your followers, your friends, your family. I see that every single one, if you are posting and sharing it on Instagram or Facebook, I see those posts. I'm so grateful. I think most of the time I'm able to reach back out to you and thank you for that because it really does mean so much. The million downloads that we have received on Keto for Women and I say we because I think of us as a community. So I'm talking about we as in you guys too. It is because It has just been a very organic 
reach. I have not done any advertising besides just what I post onto Instagram every Friday when a new episode comes out. Other than that, it's just been word of mouth. And it's because of you all and you seeing the value in it for yourself, but also seeing the value in it for others in your lives and wanting to spread the message of this Keto for Women movement. And I really do think it's a movement in the keto community that we're doing here. So just I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing that. Of course, I would love for you to continue doing that. I would also love to continue seeing your reviews over on iTunes about the show. That is something that is also really important for me to see and know what you are loving about the show. It helps me kind of figure out where to go in each episode, but it also helps others determine if that's something that they want to listen to or not. And I think those of you that have gotten the value out of this podcast that you have want that for other women as well. You want to help other women just as much as I do uh, get the benefits and kind of get a new mentality around the keto lifestyle for those that may be struggling. And those really are the women that come to the show and get started with listening is because they're struggling. And I think none of us that have gone through keto and maybe struggled and then found the answers. None of us want that for anybody else, right? So that's what I really want to see with the show. That's really the point of doing what I do. And having you all as listeners, I want to encourage you to do the same. It's a very empowering thing to be able to help other women. So we can all do this together as a community and get this community built up and get this message out to more people and make this the actual movement that it needs to be within this keto community that's growing so rapidly, but sometimes growing in the wrong way. And I think we can all agree with that here in our KFW community that there's some different paths you can take within keto. And we want to encourage the one that's best for our health as women. That was a very long spiel that I wasn't planning on doing, but it's something I am super passionate about, obviously, which is why I'm here every week with you. And I want you to be as passionate as I am, which I know you all are. So again, sharing it on your pages, your Instagram pages or whatever you use to connect with others and just sending it via text or email to friends and family that may have something specific they're going through, or maybe they are trying keto, or maybe you want to encourage them to try keto. All of these things work. And then as far as leaving a review, it's super easy to leave a review on iTunes now. It takes about like two minutes. It doesn't have to be anything long. It could just be, hey, love the podcast. Keep it up. You know, super short and sweet, but I do read them all. They really mean a lot to me and they mean a lot to the podcast and keeping it going strong. So I would love for you to do that too. And thank you in advance. Okay, that's all I have to share before I move on to, I guess let's start with some kind of personal updates just about the overall travel experience that I went through. So for those that don't know, I traveled. For the past two weeks, I was gone exactly 14 days, although it's kind of 15 because by the time I got home from the airport, it was technically another day. But about 14 and a half, 15 days of travel. I started out in Portland, Oregon, which actually was Vancouver, Washington, but flew into Portland. And if you know that area, you know that Portland and Vancouver are pretty much like right next to each other. So easier to say Portland. So you know where I'm actually talking about. 
started out there to go to the Nutritional Therapy Association Conference, which is the organization that I received my nutritional therapy practitioner certification through several years ago now. I think that was 2015, I want to say. And I was asked to be on a low-carb panel with my friends Jimmy Moore and Leah Williamson. Jimmy Moore, I'm sure most of you know, does all things keto and has several podcasts. And then Leah Williamson does the Low Carb Conversations podcast, and she's based out of Australia. So we all got together and did a panel together. That was great. I'll tell you more about it in a minute. But also the rest of the conference was really great and really just a fun place to reconnect with your tribe. So for me, I very much obviously have a lot in common with the other people who have been through the nutritional therapy practitioner training program, right? We're all kind of there with the same mentality. We have the same ideas for health and helping people. And so to be in just a room of hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of people that have that same thought process is so you can just feel the vibe in the room. You can feel that energy. And for those, I mean, you guys understand as ketoers that a lot of times in our lives, we don't have people that understand why we do what we do, why we believe what we believe, why we eat and don't eat what we do and don't eat. So to be in a place where that's all just understood and you don't have to worry about explaining yourself or you know trying to get into this big, deep conversation with anybody about why you don't eat gluten, just things like that. It's really nice to be in that kind of spot. So that was kind of what summed up the three days for me. Actually, it was about four days. I got there a Thursday night and left Monday early morning. So three and a half, we'll say. And the talks were really great. I'll get into a little bit. Really, I'm not going to talk a lot about the actual speakers that were there because it is more based to cater to those as practitioners and what we can do in our practices to further the healing of our clients. So for many of you listening, not really going to apply, although there were some overarching themes that I do want to talk about. And then I'll talk about what Jimmy Lee and I discussed too. So that will be coming up in just a second. But as I said, I left Monday morning and went on to Spain. So I arrived in Palma later. Actually, no, it was sorry, I'm getting, I get all my days confused because I also had so many time zones to cross. So I left there Monday morning. I got in Tuesday afternoon, their time. And to be honest, I was so exhausted and so tired that I didn't really do much when I was in Palma. I had a few days in between conferences. So basically Tuesday afternoon when I got in until Thursday afternoon, I had that time as downtime that I scheduled on purpose because while I love conferences and I love connecting with people, I'm an introvert. So that means I need those days to not talk to anybody, to not see anybody and to just be on my own terms, doing what I want to do and recovering. And that's exactly what I did. And Palma, so I, if you remember, I had already been to Palma. I went there for the Low Carb Universe conference back in November, just as a guest, just as someone that wanted to attend the conference. And I spent about a little over a week in Palma. So I was very familiar with the territory, the people, what to expect, where to go, where to stay, 
all that stuff, which is really nice to have that kind of familiarity when you're going to different country. It's just nice to have that. But what that meant is I didn't feel any sort of pressure to do anything. <laughs> like I didn't feel like I had to try the food or I had to go to this shopping place or I had to go see the water. I did those things, but it was much more relaxed. And so that meant I could actually take the time to recover. So with the travel, with the conference, I was just totally flatlined, exhausted. So I got into my Airbnb at about 1230 Tuesday afternoon. I slept from about 1 p.m. their time to 10 p.m., so about nine hours. And then I was awake for about two hours and I went back to bed for another five hours. (laughs) So I slept so much when I got into Palma because not only with the travel and not really basically losing a night's sleep, but also I didn't really sleep well the weekend before at the NTA conference just because of life, being in a a hotel room that at a different place and sharing a room with somebody, you know, it just wasn't great sleep. It was fun and totally worth it. And we had a great time. And we stayed up some nights a little later than I would have just because we were having fun. But it meant that I was sleepy. So I basically wasted an entire day in Palma. But like I said, did not view that as being wasted, completely needed and was totally okay with doing that. And it is what re-energized me to then have a really good day on Wednesday in Palma, just doing some shopping, going down to the water. I think I walked about like 20,000 steps or something that day, just walked all over the city. It was a beautiful day and kind of got filled back up as far as like being in the sun and walking and exploring and, you know, that kind of thing really fills my body up with energy. So I was ready to go for Thursday, which Thursday evening is when the next conference started. So this was the Low Carb Universe Conference that was the Keto Ladies specific conference. So what was cool about this one is that it was more of a retreat style. So it was a smaller group of women. I think there was about probably 35 of us total, including some the speakers. And so we really got some great connection going. So we had dinner the first night as a group and got to know everybody and meet everybody. This was the first time I got to meet two fat-burning femalers, Stephanie and Becky. And so I was able to sit in between the two of them and we all just chatted and connected. They had already actually become friends in the airport. So it was just the coolest experience to be able to meet women that have been through my class and have had success doing so and are now living the lifestyle to the point that they would fly across the world (laughs) to another country to be in that community. So that means so much to me and so much to them, I know too. And of course, over the next couple of days, we became really good friends too, which is always fun. But that kind of kicked off that weekend. And then, like I said, how that works is it's more retreat style, which is so great because we do talks in the morning. So we have speakers in the morning talking about different subjects. And in this case, it was very keto ladies specific. So we're talking to the women in the group because that's all that was there besides one man who was our technical guy, technical support, and he's the husband of one of the coordinators. So it was built to be 
speakers in the morning and then we have lunch together and then you have options during the afternoon. So you can go to a workshop where those speakers from the morning are doing a little bit more intimate or different type of talk where it's more of a interactive thing. Um, You have a chance to ask questions and just be more in a conversation type place or you can go do your own thing. So if you'd rather go take a walk or go work out or sleep, take a nap, whatever you want to do. You have that free time to yourself, which is so nice and so important when you're in this kind of conference type setting, which I think we can all agree if you've been to any type of conference, you need that downtime a little bit. So I love that they have that built in and it helps that you're in this amazing place. So same spot that we were in for the low carb universe back in November. It's on the island of Mallorca, which is an island off of Spain in this particular place called Sawyer, S-O-L-L-E-R, pronounced Sawyer in an American accent. I don't think it's actually pronounced that way for anybody else, but that's how I say it. And it is the most beautiful, magical place to be. And this is now the second time I've been there. And it was just as beautiful, just as magical, just as calming. And just, I love it there. So a really awesome place to be. So if you do want to take a walk, you can have the most gorgeous walk. You can go lay on the sand. You can go put your feet in the ocean and it's right there. Everything is right there. But then also you're in this amazing resort type facility, which is a hotel, but then they have like two pools outdoors that look out onto the ocean. They have a spa. They have an amazing gym. They have sauna, steam room, just everything you could ever want. And so you really are getting this kind of like pampered type feeling while being at a conference. And it makes it so incredibly enjoyable and a totally different experience than any other conference you'll ever go to. So I'm kind of not trying to sell you, but I'm trying to sell you on potentially going to the Low Carb Universe 2018 conference that'll be in November. And I believe those dates have been announced. So you can go to thelowcarbuniverse.com. I'll make sure to link to it in the show notes here and just see if that would even be a possibility for you. I don't know if I'll be there, but regardless, you should definitely go. But that's kind of the setting just to set you all up for what we were doing and, and what it was like to be there. We had amazing weather, which was great. Amazing food. All the food is, or I guess lunch and dinner, which is plenty because they're huge meals are all provided as part of the conference experience. And they just do top-notch food, all low-carb keto, very easy to eat. You just eat such amazing, good, high-quality, tons of veggies, really awesome meats. And they make these crazy good sauces that just make everything so keto delicious. It's phenomenal. So that was the setting of the second conference. And I was there until Sunday Late afternoon, I actually spoke at this conference. I had my talk Sunday morning and then I had my workshop Sunday late morning because it was the end of the conference. I closed it out. I closed out the show. And I'll talk to you more about what I talked about and those specific talks in a minute. But then I left and I went with my friend Stephanie Dodier, who has been on the show before. She also has her own podcast called Beyond the Food. So we are kind of decided to take a workcation 
and travel a little bit after the conference, just since we were already both over in Europe and she's from Canada. I'm from the US. We both had to travel quite far to get there. So it made sense just to make a little bit of a trip out of it. And we decided that Portugal was going to be our stop. So flew over to Portugal on Sunday night and landed in Lisbon late Sunday, checked into our Airbnb and immediately went to bed. (laughs) Obviously, we were both pretty tired out. And I was actually very tired on Monday too. And again, we're both introverts. And again, with that situation of being in a room with so many people for the entire weekend, it's so great and so much fun. But it's also pretty draining and we needed to recharge. So we were kind of expecting Monday to be a pretty low energy day, just kind of checking out Lisbon, walking around the town. And then as we were walking around, we happened upon a tour guide that was just the coolest guy. He had just this amazing spirit and just so much knowledge that we randomly decided to take this little tour of Lisbon. Because one thing about Lisbon that I didn't know, I mean, I should have, but I don't know much about Lisbon before I, well, now I do, but I didn't before I left, that it is huge. It's so big. There's so much backstory behind everything. There's so much to see, a lot of history, a lot of culture. And it's impossible or would be impossible to see even scratching the surface of it without doing some sort of tour is what we were kind of finding out as we were walking around. So when we happened upon this tour guide, I was exhausted. We were actually on our way back to our Airbnb to take naps because it was like lunchtime. And we ended up taking a tour with this guy. It was just the two of us in this kind of, they look almost like the size of golf carts, but they drive a little faster and they're covered and they're really cool. So there's a bunch of these golf cart type situations that go around the city and show you basically, especially since you're kind of on your own personalized tour, they kind of show you whatever you want to see. So for me, I'm very into looking at the views of places where I go. So especially in Lisbon, because it's built on hills, there's so many great views, great viewpoints in the city. So I really wanted to get to all of those. Stephanie's more into the history. So she wanted to see some of the churches and buildings and things like that. So we were able to do a combination of both. We were able to get some really amazing lunch on the way. I told him I wanted some meat. So we stopped at this really great pork. Actually, it's just kind of overall shop, but they have the most amazing pork ever. So he knew that that was going to be something we wanted. So we were able to stop off there, which is awesome. And just had this nice little tour, guided tour of the city for the afternoon and then came back and kind of crashed. We were really tired. And then we spent Tuesday just really being super chill, got a bunch of work done, just went to the local coffee shop, which is another thing that I love to do in different countries is kind of just pretend like, okay, if I were someone that was doing what I do in Boulder, but in a different location, what would I do on a daily basis? And, you know, I would go find the best coffee shop. I would sit there for a few hours and do my work. I'd take a walk and go kind of just to the park and things like that. And that's exactly what we did that day. And it was really great. And yeah, I had amazing food. We went out to a really good dinner that night. Some of the best food I've ever had actually in Lisbon. So And then we wrapped up on Thursday. I left Thursday morning. She's staying in Portugal for a month, actually, in a different location 
doing some more just kind of digital nomad stuff since she works from her computer as well. And I came back home. And I must say, I was so excited to get home. It's a very cool experience to be excited to travel, but then be just as excited, if not more so, to come home because I absolutely adore where I live and I love just being home. It's just a great, it's a great feeling. So very excited to be back. I've been back. It's now Sunday, been back a few days and trying to get back into my normal sleep schedule and routine. And it's proving to be quite difficult, but I'm working on this jet lag thing as best as I can. So that's kind of my story about the actual trip and what I've been doing. And I know it was a very long kind of personal journey, but hopefully you don't mind me getting a little personal here on Keto for Women occasionally. But now let's talk about what I learned because this is something I really like to do and and gives me kind of more of a purpose when I'm at these conferences is that, yes, I want to learn some things for myself, but more so I want to learn more things that I can explain to you or just kind of share with you for those that couldn't be there, or just to get more information from different people. So when I go to these conferences, I'm taking notes like a madwoman so that I can share them here on the podcast, which is what I did last time for the Low Carb Universe Conference. And if you didn't hear that, it was a really, really great one. So go back and listen to that one. I'm not sure the episode number, I'll have it linked here in the show notes, but it was in November, end of November, beginning of December. You can find that episode and go back and listen to that. But today we're talking about first the Nutritional Therapy Conference, just very quickly, some of the takeaways from that. And like I have done in the past, I'm literally just reading my notes from my notebook. So you're going to hear shuffling of papers and it's going to be kind of choppy, but it's real life. It's what we're doing here on the show so that I can give you all of the best info. So like I said, the Nutritional Therapy Conference was very much geared towards practitioners already doing the work. Now, no matter what, there were still two really big resounding themes that every single speaker brought up. Every single one brought up the idea of bio-individuality, which is something that we learn. One of the first things we learn as nutritional therapy practitioners, and if you are an NTP out there listening, you know what I'm talking about. And if you were at the conference, you definitely know what I'm talking about because it's something that's very important. But basically, it just means that every person is different and you need to find out what works for you. Now, if you're a practitioner, that means that you need to do what's best for your clients on an individual basis. And if you're actually someone working on your health, which is what we're doing here in the KFW community, you need to find what works best for you. And that is something that I have been promoting and really talking about in pretty much every episode of this podcast, that keto is amazing and keto works for a lot of people. And especially when done in a very health-promoting way, which is what we talk about here in Keto for Women and what I do in my Fat-Burning Female Project. But no matter what, you've got to drown out the noise. Like there's a lot of noise that happens really in every community, whether it's paleo, vegan, keto, healthy eating, macro counting, blah, blah, blah. Whatever type of eating you're doing, there's so much noise. And there's so many people willing to listen to that noise. And that noise is other people telling you what to do for your body. 
And like, if you just hear that, that doesn't make any sense. Why is someone else telling you exactly what to do for your body? And then you do it and you don't feel good. You don't like it. It's not working for you, but yet you keep doing it because someone else told you. And that person doesn't know you. That person isn't in your body. That person doesn't know your background or what your goals are or anything like that. So we really need to continue to remember this important piece, which is that you are the person responsible for you and your health and your goals, which means find out what's best for you and don't be afraid to go against what someone else has told you. If what you're doing isn't working, try something else. Find what works best for you. And that's something I think is so incredibly important in the keto community because like I've talked about many times, these rules and I heard someone said this and I heard someone said that. That happens so much. I see it every single day in all my classes and with all the ladies I'm helping. All these things that come up that we don't know if we should take to heart or not, that we don't know if we should do for ourselves or not. And every single time I answer, it depends on what you want. It depends on how you feel and what's going to make you successful, what's going to bring you the health goals you're looking for. It has no bearing what someone else is doing. So that's something was just, I guess, amplified or also talked about quite a bit in other lines of the nutrition space and something that was brought up in every single talk. So it's not just me saying this. It's a real thing. You have to find out what works for you. It's called bio-individuality. We're all different. And then another big theme that was actually kind of a theme in both of the conferences that I absolutely love, and again, something else very much talked about here frequently by myself on the Keto for Women show is that dieting doesn't work. Dieting does not work. It has never proven to work. There are many studies that show it doesn't work, and I'll talk about some of them, but yet we keep doing it. We keep thinking that that's what's going to work and it doesn't. And now we have many professionals in this space telling everyone that it's not a thing and yet we continue doing it. And so I really just want to continue bringing this up and I think it helps me get the message across when I have others in this space telling you the same thing. It's just we have more and more proof we have more and more kind of backup that we need to think of another concept because the dieting thing isn't happening. And that leads me to the one talk that I did want to bring up specific to the nutritional therapy conference. It was actually our opening talk of the whole weekend by a medical doctor. He's a physician. I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's Param Dedia or something along those lines. But I'll link to his page on the Nutritional Therapy Conference website if you want to learn more about him. But he actually said only 1% of the population doing a diet continue on for six months or have it work beyond six months. 1%. And I think 
many of you here in the keto space can agree with that. You know, if you're actually thinking back to your history of your dieting experience, which I know a lot of us have, we've been trying different things for years to try to get to our goal weight or lose weight or whatever the case may be. You started something, it worked for a small period of time, and then it stopped working. And then the weight came back. Or you started feeling less energetic than you thought you would or you started having binge episodes or you know something to where you started reverting back to where you started. This is quite common especially for women coming into the keto space which many come looking for that next thing that's actually going to work. But now we're here in the keto for women community giving a different sense to that and saying let's just do this for the long term. Let's focus on our health and see what happens as a result by not making it a diet, by making it a lifestyle that you are building to work on your current health and your long-term health. Before we get any further with this episode, let me take just a second to tell you all about the Ample Ketogenic Meal Replacement Shakes. I'm so excited that this product is now out there. I can't wait for you all to try it. It is the first all-in-one keto meal replacement shake that gets the nutrition from quality, real ingredients, which is so, so, so hard to find in the ketogenic space. You all know how important real food ingredients are for me, and I want to pass that information on to you. And here we now have a really great opportunity to have a meal replacement shake, something that's super easy for us to grab when we're on the go, running errands, don't have time for breakfast, don't feel like cooking, whatever it may be. We now have a place to turn, and that is the ample ketogenic meal replacement shakes. 70% of the calories in this shake come from premium healthy fats such as MCT oil powder, coconut oil powder, things we're already eating on a daily basis anyway. There are only six grams of net carbs in each meal and it comes along with 40 billion CFUs of probiotics, which is like 10 times what you would get by drinking a kombucha. So they're really taking care of our gut health. They're keeping that in check while we're on a ketogenic diet. They have the prebiotic fibers necessary too within this shake to feed the good bacteria in your gut. They've thought of so much. It has potassium and magnesium so that if you're going through the keto flu or you just want to work on your electrolyte balance, which is something we talk about a lot on keto for women, that's taken care of too. And the best part is it actually tastes amazing. I taste so many ketogenic products. Most of them I don't like, so I don't even tell you about them. But I love the flavor of these ample shakes. You're going to love it. I can't wait for y'all to try it. In order to do so, because they are a sponsor of the Keto for Women show, you lucky listeners get 15% off your order when you go to amplemeal.com and use the coupon code Keto, the number four, women15 at checkout. That's amplemeal.com and use the coupon code Keto, the number four, women15 to get your 15% off your first order. I will make sure to have this information linked in the show notes so you can get easy access to your 15% off. He also mentioned, this is what I thought was really interesting. The concept, and I know I talk about this so much on the podcast too, and I still have a lot of resistance to it with women, and I don't quite understand why, but he mentioned body fat composition and how important that is to our long-term health. Now, 
with women wanting to lose weight, we get really focused on the number on the scale, how our clothes are fitting, but we forget about the relationship of the amount of fat on our body versus the amount of muscle on our body. And that's what body fat composition is. So you can alter quite easily in many cases, you can alter your body fat composition by doing the right workouts for you by strength training, building muscle, high intensity interval training, those kinds of workouts that are best for you. You can change your body fat composition and that is what we should be focusing on much more so than what the scale says. Because many times, if you're changing your body fat composition and actually increasing your muscle mass, the scale is not going to move and it may even go up. But yet you are building muscle, which involves increasing your health, increasing your metabolic capacity and your strength, obviously, your structural integrity, your movement patterns, all this stuff just improve but yet the scale doesn't move. And it's like, who cares at that point? Not to mention you start seeing changes in how you appear, like your appearance, how your clothes fit, all that stuff. And that's really what we should be focusing on. Yet there's so many women still just like the scale, the scale, the scale, and not making any changes to their fitness level or their workout schedule or challenging their bodies or working on increasing their muscle mass. And so this doctor actually talked about you can be obese, which, you know, there's kind of I don't know even what the borderline comes at nowadays, but if you are even technically seen as being obese based on the number on your scale, if you're fit, which would be that that body fat composition, then it actually lowers your health risks from seven times to 2.5 times. And I'm pretty sure I didn't write this down. I'm pretty sure that actually was speaking about cardiovascular risk, but you are able to diminish your risk of heart disease to pretty much that of anybody else just by being fit, even though your technical weight would determine you as being obese. So we really need to consider that if we are here talking long-term health, that's a huge thing. So, and I know I mentioned this somewhere else, but in another episode, but like the rock is considered obese. And I think we could all agree that the rock is like basically pure muscle, hence the rock, but you know, he's not seen as an unfit or unhealthy person because of his body fat composition, but yet his weight, if we're going strictly by weight, classifies him as obese. So something we really need to keep in mind, and I'm going to keep drilling this in your head, ladies, because it's time you start shifting your workout mentality to getting to a point where you are working on your fitness level, but also your strength level and really increasing your muscle mass. Now also doing so in the most fun way possible. So finding something that you enjoy doing. And when I say enjoy, it's not going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to go do this every day, but something where you feel really good when you're doing it, you feel really good afterwards. Like right now I just started going to a lifting class at 630 in the morning. So I'm like, I don't super want to go come six o'clock when my alarm goes off, but I go anyway. I have to kind of, you know, get myself motivated on the car ride there with some good music. And I'm so happy once I'm there doing it and especially afterwards. So it's not always going to be like rainbows every time you think about the workout you're doing, but it's more so the endorphins and how you feel afterwards that are really important too. And then the last thing I wanted to point out about his specific talk 
and this is just a quick one, sleep is so important. He actually, I think is a director of a sleep clinic or something like that's his main thing that he studies and helps people with is their sleep. But he said, no healing protocol out there will work if you don't have proper sleep. And so we can apply this to keto by saying, you can do keto like a mad woman all day, all night, forever. But if you're not sleeping well, it's not going to work. You're not going to feel those benefits of the ketone production. You're not going to have any changes in your body fat or in your moods or your energy, all that stuff, if you're not sleeping well. So please take it seriously. Okay, that's enough of nutritional therapy talks. Now I want to move on to the low carb universe keto ladies talks because we had some really great ones. I'm not going to talk about all of them because there were a lot. Let's see, there was probably, let's see, 10 of us that were speakers, but I do want to point out a few and I'm just going to go through some of the highlights of the ones that I really thought you would resonate with. So we kicked off on Friday morning with my friend, Stephanie, who I just mentioned. First of all, she's an amazing public speaker. She's been public speaking, even in her past career before she became a nutritionist. And she's super engaging. She has amazing delivery. So anytime you have a chance to see her in person, I highly recommend going. She is doing the low carb cruise along with myself coming up in May, which you can still go if you want to go on a cruise in May and see some amazing keto talks. I highly recommend it. It's so much fun. You can check that out at the lowcarbcruiseinfo.com, which I'll have linked. But anyway, she's going to be there talking along with myself. And she does her talk about food cravings and mastering your food cravings, which if you follow her, you know that's something that she's really big on. She's very much into the emotional and binge eating category because that's something that she dealt with herself and has overcome and is now helping women do the same. But a couple things I want to say specifically about her message is that you can be doing a diet, you can be just killing it at your diet, but at some point, you're still going to binge even on quote unquote approved foods if you haven't understood the emotion behind your binges, behind your need to diet, behind your desire to look a certain way. Because there's an emotional component to everything we do around food, like we all just kind of have to admit that, especially as women, I think we can easily admit that we have an emotional connection to food. But until you understand those emotions, if you are someone that binges or if you are someone that diets and binges or falls off the wagon or has cheat days and then starts again on Monday in this cycle, and trust me, I've been there, so I totally get it then you're going to keep doing that until you work on the emotional aspect of that. And one of the reasons that we have this emotional connection to food is because of these neurotransmitters that are released in our brain. And dopamine is one that is released around food. And so often when we binge or when we have these cravings, it's because we don't have a dopamine response in our lives enough. So we're still craving this dopamine response in our lives and we turn to food to get there. So there are other ways to increase your dopamine in the rest of your life, which we'll talk about in a minute. So there are other ways to increase dopamine without the use of food. And I believe she talks about this quite often in her podcast. So maybe that's something you could go over there and ask her about to explain a little deeper. There are 
several reasons for cravings, which I know I, even on keto, I definitely crave things. They're a lot less frequent. They're actually quite different. I don't crave sugar really that often anymore. And if I do, it's something very like healthy sugar, quote unquote, like a piece of fruit or something like that. But I do crave chocolate probably to an abnormal degree, which I'm working on. And there are reasons behind it. So first of all, it could be a blood sugar response, which we see very often in the keto community, especially if you're coming here to try to heal your blood sugar imbalances. If you have wonky blood sugar, you're going to have cravings around that because your body's telling you it needs sugar. It could also be because of nutritional deficiencies, your microbiome, so those good versus bad bacteria could be dictating your cravings, those chemicals and these engineered crap foods that we continue to go to, we continue to have this almost addiction to these engineered foods. It's because of the chemicals in there that will also cause you to crave those foods. And of course, the emotional need behind those cravings, which we just talked about. The only other thing that I want to bring up about her talk, and this actually is something that was brought up several times over at the Nutritional Therapy Conference as well, is what's called the ACE study. It stands for Adverse Childhood Experience Study. It is a some sort of quiz. I haven't taken it, but it's some sort of quiz you go through and it kind of shows that based on what you experienced as a childhood, what you experienced as a child in childhood, what you may be dealing with or how that may be expressing now physically. And this is obviously, I think we all know, and if not, we'll maybe talk about this on another episode, that your experiences as a childhood, whether they were super traumatic or not, even if it was just like you were bullied in high school or middle school or elementary school, or you didn't see your father that much or something, it doesn't have to be a super big thing that we think of traumatic, such as like physical abuse or something of that nature, but you can still have that kind of repressed emotion and it will now be expressing itself in actual health issues. This ACE study is something that you can kind of determine that realm for you. So if you haven't taken it and you are dealing with you know health issues that you can't seem to get rid of, it may be something for you to, to consider. And I'll link to this in the show notes too. But what was really found in, this was talked about in in several cases in both Nutritional Therapy Conference and in Stephanie's case, was that it is very much connected to autoimmune disease. So this study has found a huge link between those with autoimmune disease and having a higher score on this ACE study. So that's very fascinating. Something to consider if you are dealing with autoimmune. Okay, let's move on to Dr. Trudy Deacon, which you all may remember. I had her on the show a few months back. She did an amazing talk at the conference about debunking the eat less, move more mentality and how that doesn't work to actually lose weight. And she did talk about it on the episode she was in on the Keto for Women show. So go back and listen to that to actually hear from her. And she has an amazing accent. So you'll <laughs> you'll really enjoy it much more than me kind of spouting this information off. But I did want to bring up one thing that she mentioned that is just, again, this proof from not only these professionals, but actually studies. And I think a lot of you probably remember this study or have seen it, the Biggest Loser study. So they looked at Biggest Loser participants six years after they had been on the show, and there was this obvious reduction in metabolic capacity or their metabolic rate 
beyond just what would normally happen if you lose weight. So of course, as you become a smaller person, your body needs less energy to get through the same capacity of daily activities and life. But there was even beyond that, a much lower metabolic rate just from what they went through as far as the extreme dieting and the extreme just kind of stress on the body, even from the physical activity they had to do and all that stuff. So they're seeing this in real life people that it actually will happen if you continue to reduce your calories to the point that your body is basically starving, then it's going to also reduce its capacity. And this is something I keep bringing up, but is very important because we have a lot of dieters listening and a lot of people coming from this place of eating, you know, 1200 calories a day for seven years. And and now they don't know what's going on with their bodies. Well, that's what's going on with your body. So we need to build that back up. And that's one of the best things that I do in the Fat Burning Female Project for ladies is we work on building up your metabolic capacity again, which is so, so important for long-term health and to actually finally get you to any sort of weight loss you, you need to do for your health. One thing that she did mention at the end, and I don't have the resource of where she found this or this is just me kind of regurgitating information. So I don't know the accuracy of this, but I kind of believe it. And that is, she said, you can produce up to 600 grams of excess glucose in your body just because of stress. Like, I kind of believe that. I think she's pretty accurate on that, you know, depending on what type of stress and how frequent it is. But really, if you are someone that's in a stressed out state, and this is just continuing on with that message, you got to control your stress. Same with sleep. You can continue to do everything right. But if you're so stressed out, nothing's going to happen. And we know that blood sugar is very much the reason why many of us hold on to weight why many of us continue to have health issues, why many of us can't get into ketosis. It's because of your blood sugar and the excess glucose in your blood. And it could very easily be because of stress. So this is just kind of proof of that coming from a different source. Okay, moving right along. One thing I did want to mention really quick about all, not all, but most of the speakers at the Keto Ladies Conference we all had some pretty serious health issues. So there were three or four of us that had, I think actually four, that had autoimmune disease that was put into remission by low-carb, high-fat eating. PCOS, there was at least one, maybe two with PCOS. There was one gal specifically with like really intense mental health issues, like panic attacks and mood disorder to the point where she couldn't leave her house until she went keto. So just really important things to note because we get a lot of these, this fear-based stuff out there in the anti-keto space about, oh, don't, you can't do keto if you have autoimmune disease. Like we have so much proof that that's not the case. It's just There's so many success stories out there to prove otherwise that at this point, it just can't even be taken as fact. Just wanted to bring that up real quick, which leads me to my next talk I wanted to just briefly touch on because I'm going to actually have this gal on the show. She is amazing. Her name's Jimena, and she is someone that reversed her PCOS using a ketogenic diet and now teaches people how to do the same. She's absolutely amazing. We became really good friends over the course of the weekend. She even taught me how to salsa dance and led me 
in a salsa dance and it was so much fun. So I now am pretending like I'm part Latin, <laughs> but we had a great time and I can't wait to get her on the show. She has the best energy ever and you guys are going to love her. But her talk was mainly about how PCOS is partially genetic. So if you have a history in your family of type 2 diabetes or insulin resistance, then you have a higher chance of developing PCOS, which is actually kind of in some cases, some realms, people see it as being diabetes of the ovaries, which makes a lot of sense because it is so tied into your blood sugar response and what your blood sugar has done or what's just in your genes, how you will genetically express your blood sugar markers. So the thing with that is that when it is a genetic predisposition, you still have the ability for that gene to be expressed or not. So regardless, you still need to have the environment necessary for that gene to basically switch on. And that gene will switch on for people with PCOS with that high insulin level. So when you have high insulin or blood sugar imbalances, then you're going to kind of switch that gene on and it will then express as PCOS. Now, the cool thing is that you also have the ability to switch it back off. And of course, that's going to come down to balancing out your blood sugar, getting rid of that high insulin level and having nice balanced blood sugar, which of course, the first step to doing so is with a low carb, high fat ketogenic diet, but then also working on how you exercise and doing the right exercises to increase that working on your other health issues. Like if you have other hormonal imbalances, if you're on the pill or some other birth control option, if, or if you're taking other sort of hormonal medication, something to look into. If you have gut issues, if you have thyroid issues, adrenal issues, there's a lot of different things that you have to work on simultaneously in order to actually fully reverse out of your PCOS. Also, your focus needs to be on healing your menstrual cycle. So with many people with PCOS, they're not having a period at all. They're having really abnormal periods. And in many cases, if not all cases, it is a lack of ovulation. So until you heal and you start ovulating, you know, you heal your cycle and you start ovulating, that's when you can start really seeing the big changes of that PCOS no longer expressing itself. And then she talked about cleaning up your toxin exposure, which is something I'm very passionate about and talk about quite a bit, eating around your cycle and for your cycle to promote that normal menstrual cycle and using essential oils, which I also love. But we're going to go into more of that in detail because she's going to come on the show very soon and I'm excited to have her. You guys are going to love it. Okay, next we had Francisca Spritzler, who's a registered dietitian, now teaching low carb. And she talked about the aging process and how we can slow down the aging process and really using a low carb, low sugar, high fat ketogenic diet to do so. And really, I mean, I just have to say at this conference, there were 30, 35 women of all ages and everyone just looked so good. I mean, there you don't really need any sort of science to just see that those of us living this lifestyle, your skin clears up. It looks more radiant, more healthy. There's less wrinkles. I mean, the actual, the lady giving this talk, which you can look her up, you can find her, you can see she's 51 and she looks 
41. I mean, she looks phenomenal. And there are others that were in their 50s that just looked so youthful. And I really do think that it is because of the diet and how long they've been eating this way. But of course, her anti-aging regimen would be keto with low sugar, really making sure to eat fatty fish three to five times a week for those omega-3s, focusing on plant foods, so lots of veggies, which we talk about quite often in Keto for Women, making sure we're super nutrient-dense, which will give you then carotenoids and polyphenols, which are basically, you know, you don't need to know exactly which food has which of each in it. But if you're eating a wide variety of vegetables and getting color on your plate, so the colors are really important, the colors are what give the different vegetables, their carotenoids. So lycopene is what makes tomatoes red. So getting a wide variety of color on your plate is what's really going to help with your anti-aging and really just health overall. And then of course, she mentioned sleep and she mentioned stress like everybody does. And it's this resounding theme overall about just being really super healthy and focusing on your long-term health. You've got to control both of those and get into a really good rhythm sunscreen, of course, alcohol, and no smoking. So really with alcohol, it's keeping it to a minimum. It's not saying you can't ever have a drink ever again, but really making sure to moderate that. And for me, that just means that I need to really want the drink. Like if I'm just drinking because I'm out with my friends or it's Friday night or this is the ritual, like if, I mean, most of the time I don't even really want it. You know, it really has to be at a special occasion or just something where it sounds good and it's refreshing and seems like a good idea. And I think that's the best way to kind of decide how to moderate your alcohol. And then smoking is just a never, obviously. Just don't do it. And then really quickly, two more. The first one was Pia Homestead. She is a, I believe she's a body worker, but also a yoga instructor. And she really focuses on the breath. And she made us do a very cool kind of experiment with our own breath work. And I'm not going to do it here on the actual show, but I'll tell you how to do it. And I highly recommend you go do this as soon as you have some free time today. So what you do, just put a little timer on for one minute, close your eyes and count your breaths. So how many times you inhale and exhale being one. So inhale, exhale one, inhale, exhale two. Count your breaths. Now put a timer on for 10 minutes close your eyes, get into a comfortable seated position, put your hand on your stomach and feel your stomach, like really focus on your stomach expanding and contracting with every inhale and exhale. So you're putting your hand on your stomach and you're trying to get it to move as much as possible. So as big as you can and then bring it back in. Okay, so you're going to do that for 10 minutes. It's a really good meditation, actually. Really awesome. This is basically, you're meditating. So you could do this in replacement of your meditation. But now you're going to put the timer on after the 10 minutes are up, put the timer on for one minute, and now recount your breaths. It is the most fascinating thing. I think you can probably, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Let's just say that, but it's very cool. I highly recommend it. And it really shows how important our breaths are. And one other thing that I really just really spoke to me when she was talking is that none of us relax our stomach. Like we're so kind of conditioned as a female society to have this like flat stomach and to always suck in. So I don't think any of us ever totally relax our stomach. And that's really, really important to having a good breath cycle and to also calming into a parasympathetic state. So 
I want you all just to like actually feel what it feels like to just not hold your stomach in. It's the weirdest feeling because none of us do it, but so freeing and so cool. So if we all just do it, then we'll all realize that none of us have a flat stomach and we're, we've been sucking in for our entire lives and just let it go, right? So I thought that was really fascinating. But yes, please go try that little breath technique. I think you'll love it. Last one. This was with Bitten Johnson, who is a sugar addiction specialist. Very fascinating topic and just some things I want to touch on. For her, what addiction means, her definition is being disconnected with the world. So you have a disconnect that has caused this mental state in your brain and a specific part of the brain that handles addiction. Now, her big things, especially with sugar addiction, is that obviously the big food industry has taken a huge toll on us and they're trying to confuse us and our brains, but then also a big pharma is at play there and just the pharmaceutical industry really also trying to control the situation. But she really believes, and I agree with her, that food addiction is the hardest addiction to work with because people don't take you seriously. So you tell someone, even a therapist that maybe doesn't know enough about food addiction, that you have this situation and they won't necessarily take you seriously, that it isn't a real actual illness. And then the other thing is it the hardest because no matter what, you have to eat. So if you're addicted to food, you still have to go face to face, head to head with your addiction every single day, because if not, you're going to starve and die. And so it is essential for life. And yet it's something that you really have to work to manage. And I think that that's really important for those with food addiction or sugar addiction. You know, that's a challenging place to be in. And it takes a lot of strength to get you there. But it can happen. It can happen. Uh, She does say Basically, what she works to do is kind of rebuild the receptors in your brain. So there's biochemical repair that can happen in your brain. You can kind of retrain your brain to think in a different way about these addictions. And that's what she does. So we'll make sure to link to her information in the show notes so you can kind of find out more about her actual work. It's very, very cool. And I believe she does even have some cookbooks, too. But she did give some ideas for those people who are more volume eaters who will kind of just tend to overeat. And that is basically because of a lack of oxytocin. So kind of a similar situation to what Stephanie was talking about with this dopamine need, the same thing can go for oxytocin and it tends to lead to an overeating situation. And if that's the case, some of her tips to raise oxytocin Of course, optimal nutrition is always the first thing. So really working on your low-carb, high-fat, no-sugar lifestyle. Taking walks in nature, which I love to do and I always tell women to also do because it brings out a feeling that you really cannot get anywhere. And that feeling is the oxytocin being released. It's just the best feeling. Doing slow type of activity. So that could be your nature walk where you're just kind of going at your own pace. And same thing with basically any type of of movement you do, doing it at a slower pace to where you feel that release of the oxytocin and you feel really good, which also could be yoga, which she recommends. Meditation, of course. Gardening, she mentioned, which I think is a really good way to both connect with nature and be in that slow movement pattern, getting your mind 
off of other things and just kind of that focus situation. And then she, of course, mentioned self-care, which I also promote highly. And we've talked about on the show and how important that is, making that a part of your daily routine. And the last thing is to have some pets, which I think is great. I don't have any personally because of my lifestyle, but I know a lot of you do. And you will totally agree that having a dog or cat or whatever around releases a feeling that you don't get from any other type of situation. Just that little pet love really means a lot. Okay, so that was my brief recap of the two conferences, my travels. I guess really the only other thing I want to mention just briefly, which I know you probably all know that I'm going to say, is I had no issue being keto, eating keto, feeling good, finding foods to eat, not being tempted, just all that stuff. I had no problem. So I just want to reiterate that for you. Please don't overthink the traveling while trying to stay keto if that's something that you want to do. Or maybe you decide that you don't want to worry about being keto on travel, whatever. But please don't overthink it. It is so possible. It is not nearly as hard as we make it out to be. Even in other countries, you can always find something to eat. So I do want to mention that before I close out here. All right. So that does it. And so that does it for the conference recap. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I had to go through them really fast, but if there was any that spoke to you, please go look that specific person up. You can find all the information for all the speakers at both of the conference websites, which I'll make sure to link. Just go find more information out about those people and what they do and their work and follow along if that's something that you need more assistance with. All right, I'll be back next week with more amazing keto topics. Until then, have a great week. 